Daniel 6 and 3. Then this Daniel. Then this Daniel. This Daniel distinguished himself from all of the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Would you say excellent spirit? And the king gave thought to setting over him the whole realm. And the king actually gave thought to setting this Daniel over the whole realm. I want to read that out of another uh, more contemporary translation. This man, Daniel, distinguished himself among all the other officials and satraps because there was an extraordinary spirit in him. And the king thought about putting him in charge of the whole kingdom. Uh, and because there was an excellent spirit in you, God is now contemplating putting you over the entire company, the entire team, the entire organization. I need you to know today that God is doing something in this hour. There's going to be a shift to this message. I want to talk for the next 15, maybe 20 minutes, becoming a church that seeks the Lord, becoming a church that seeks the Lord. I just be, before you see that, before you see that, just look at someone and say, neighbor, may we seek the Lord. Would you tell them that? May we seek the Lord. Come on, just find somebody, look them in their beautiful eyes and say, neighbor, may we seek the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Please be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to switch over to this lapel mic. Amen. This sound is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for the sound. Now, uh, Brother Mark, you're doing a whole lot over there. I need Brother Crawford not to sit over there looking like he is lost in space somewhere because he is chomping at the bit to get on that sound board. And we're going to need you, sir. We're going to need you so very much. And we thank God. Oh, here we go. Should I get back on this lapel? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Listen, um, hear me closely. Uh, very direct, very to the space, to the point. When I struggle in the last moments of what thus saith the Lord, it's, it's always important, and maybe I should say this, I'll get back on the mic, let me get back on this mic. I'll get back here, let's do this. Make it see. It's always important, and maybe just a word to other ministers, those who preach, those who teach. Um, it's so important because that could be the Holy Spirit's way of giving you an unction that I know you planned for this and I know you're in the middle of a series for that and I know you've got all of this going on. But maybe it's just the prophetic anointing of God that says, here's the word of the Lord for this hour. And, and again, it's, it's not so much what God has said as much as what is he saying now? What is he saying now? We live in a world and time where things move on the second. Things move on the dime. And we cannot be prideful. We cannot be so arrogant to say, well this is my message this is my sermon this is our church our series but well, wait a minute time out isn't it, it shouldn't it really be about what God is doing and what God is speaking and and we really want to be where God is blessing and where he's moving is that right so those things, things being said it just seems to me in these last several days you know are we seeking the Lord do we truly seek the Lord a about two months ago, maybe two and a half, three months ago, I personally came under this conviction of seeking the Lord. Yes, I pray. And don't get me wrong. Yes, I pray. And, and, and yes, uh, I read my Bible. And I believe like any Christian in the room, I have my daily devotion, not sermon prep, not Sunday school prep, not online battling with people with scripture, but I believe that I could honestly and in, in, in with integrity say I have my time to seek the Lord and serve the Lord, but what about seeking the Lord? What about a season of seeking the Lord? Now, it's going to get a little rough and tough, but I think at the end, if you're hanging there with me, you're going to be really blessed today, and I believe it, it, it result in a breakthrough and an epiphany and revelation for you. So this morning, we continue the series of preaching and teaching, focusing on excellence Yes, we want to stay somewhere in the framework of excellence. However, we turn toward uh, reminding everyone of the importance of seeking the Lord. 
I don't, I don't want to build a church where we, we pride ourselves on the excellence of facilities, excellence of music, excellence of teaching and preaching, excellence of how we dress and how we wear. And, and, and God is nowhere in that. I want us to be known for the excellence of, of, of serving God, the excellence of seeking the Lord. Are, are, are you with me? And so these things being said, I think there's something directly important as it relates to seeking the Lord. Now, now let me just remind some of you all, we have some people who are new here today. We have those who are joining us online thus far in this series we talked about you know having an attitude of excellence and I think some of you all have been commenting on that you've been sort of engaging online about that conversation there's an importance of having an attitude as it relates to God's house I won't take you there but Psalm 84 Psalm 92 you hear it clearly about those who had an attitude of excellence as related to God's house they saw past the red walls they saw past the yellow walls and a purple wall and they realize I don't care what the place looks like this is still the house of God yes we've butted over next to another church but enjoy the music and still realize this is still the house of God we've seen worse we've been in worse but here today listen when it rained like today thank God I ain't got to worry about no roof and we ain't put no buckets out hallelujah that's a whole I'm, I'm regressing for a moment but excellence toward the house of God then we talked about the excellence towards the offerings of God when it comes to our tithe, when it comes to our giving, when it comes to our sacrifice, when it comes to our first of fruits, we look at how is our attitude toward giving? Because at the end of the day, the greatest manifestation of our worship is more than the organ and the tambourine. It's more than a shout and a dance and the blowing bubbles and the speaking in tongues. It's really going to be about when we write a check or when we give of our cash app or when we give of our giving. And we saw that example in Hebrews 11 when we saw the, the difference and the distinction between Cain and Abel. Cain, we know, was a farmer. Abel was the rancher. But at the end of the day, it was their attitude of giving that made the difference. Hebrews 11:4 by faith, Abel offered to God a what? A more excellent a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained a witness that he was right standing with God. God even testified of his gifts and by it being by the gift being dead, it still speaks. What did we realize? It's not just about what we give as much as how we give for God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of your offerings. And that's what made this church great 28 years in running. And that what makes us great in 2023. Here's what we concluded. The word attitude, simple. One's positioning or disposition of the mind towards the matter. In other words, the attitude can be defined as how you think. It's the way you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So your attitude. How was your attitude with the rain today? Well, you all wouldn't be worried about rain like I do. Because when I think about rain on a Sunday morning, I think about everything that could go wrong. But my attitude has changed now because God is still on the throne. How is your attitude on the job when things don't go your way? Is God still on the throne if something doesn't happen on, the, on your job? Or did he take off on going vacation and leave you in charge? What is your attitude when things don't go quite your way at the doctor's office and you quite don't get the report you thought? Did, did, did God expire from being God? What is your attitude for the rest of the week? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't hear nobody over here talking to me, but the reality is it ain't so much what happens to you that determines is how you respond to these things. If you are a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, it would be to your advantage to have a good godly attitude. Why? Because you will go through the nuances, the ups and the downs of business. How is your attitude? attitude now all that being said we deviated last week we talked a little bit about excellence i had like 25 quotes remember i can't give you all 25 because of the sake of time but i will give you three excellence is defined as the quality of being outstanding or extremely good let me pause for a moment while you uh, check out the music excellence is defined as being outstanding or being what's let's call it being extraordinarily good right being outstanding or being uh, uh, extraordinary or outstanding and being or being extremely good. Philippians 1, 6, listen to this scripture. Philippians 1, 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment. Paul writes and says that you may approve the things that are excellent. Somewhere or another, God wants you to be able to discern and realize or recognize things that are excellent. 
All right, let's stay in Philippians one more second. Go, excuse me, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence, someone say excellence. Come on, everyone say excellence. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, why are those scriptures important? God doesn't allow anything to be in the Bible by accident. There's nothing in the Bible by accident, okay? God has an expectation for you to understand the power of excellence. Now, notice how he says this in Philippians. He says, I really want you to understand that excellence has its place in the life of the believer. Um, if you're going to sing a song, do it in excellence. If you're not going to do it in excellence, don't sing the song. Uh, if you're going to paint a picture, a portrait, do it with the spirit of excellence. If you're not going to do it, why, why waste your time? If you're going to write a poem, if you're going to build a Lego house, if you're going to do anything you do, have the ability to know what is good and what's extraordinary. You say, what does this have to do with seeking the Lord? It has everything to do with seeking the Lord. Stay right there. Because excellence can determine whether you make $60,000 a year or $160,000 a year. Let me wake somebody up just for a moment. Excellence can determine whether you make $50,000 a year or $500,000 a year. Excellence can determine whether you have student loans for the rest of your life or you're able to write a couple of checks and pay for your grandchildren's grandchildren's student, uh, 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 tuition with one check, I might add. Uh, you, you're still not there yet, I see. Excellence can make a determination or a distinction. Whether you have a rent payment and the only Lord you'll ever know is going to be the landlord or one day you will have houses and land and leave an inheritance. It's, it's really not math, and there's really not a lot of science to this. Excellence is a, a game changer. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Excellence is not a skill. It's an attitude. We are what we repeatedly do. And let me just say this about excellence. There's an equilibrium here. Excellence is not inherited because of your money, your background, your pedigree, your degree, or your family DNA. Anybody can tap into excellence. And, and, and some of you are getting quiet on me because maybe, maybe you think I'm confusing the word excellence with perfection. We're not talking about perfection here. There's a difference. Perfection is a destination. Excellence is a journey. You probably never really truly will arrive, but it's the journey of always doing better. Stay with me. We're going to get there in a moment now. Now, excellence, again, is not a destination. It's a continued journey that never ends. I, mean, I gave this quote last week. Whereas perfection is the final destination, excellence is the journey. We said it last week. I'll say it one more time, and then we're going to change gears here. Excellence is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Okay? I want to pause right there. Because I love when the young people are intently into a message like this. I'm looking at your daughter right now, Brother Carlos, and thank you, Sister Cunningham, because you encouraged me today. Because when I preach messages like this, I say, if the old folk don't get it, I'm encouraged because I know you'll get it and you'll change the world. Because excellence was not about being an, a, an excellent person. In fact, it was an ordinary person who did things extraordinarily well. It was just something different about them. Now, that being said, what do we hear in 1 Corinthians 12, 31? Bible says, but, earnest des but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Now, friends, I'm about halfway finished with this message. No, I'm not. I'm about a third of the way finished with this message. Okay? Let me be very truthful and honest and transparent. If Paul writes, and it's a, it's a funny thing because when you read that scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, you really can't tell if it's a part of chapter 12 or it's a part of chapter 13. Either way it goes, it's there. And it's one of those anomaly scriptures where you really don't know a lot of why and when and where. All I know is it's there. But for whatever reason, Paul writes and says, I will show you a more excellent way. I want to write now in our own lives, what areas in our own walk could we be doing a little more excellent thing? What areas in our own lives could we be showing a more excellent way? Now, Brother Mark, those guys coming back, right? Okay, that's a long bathroom break. And I'm, I need them. I made it very clear this morning. I want everybody in the house today. I just want one person out there because this is a message that will change and will determine the difference between good, average, and excellence. And that's important to me. Now, 
I look at our church. And I wish I wish I could. Can I get on this lapel mic or, or no? I'm going to try because I'm really starting to feel another dimension. Testing one. Testing one, two. Okay, let's try this. Bear with me. Bear with me. Here we go. Thank you, sir. Perfect, 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 perfect. Now, I want to repeat this, and I'm going to keep repeating it until it comes into fruition. The church can, City Church Northlake, City Church Northlake, we can no longer just be about good, solid core beliefs. We know what we believe. We want people to know what we believe as it relates to the Bible and the Trinity and, and sin and salvation and, and, and Holy Spirit. All that's great, but that's not going to move. That's not going to push the needle with people outside. That, that encourages us and it reaffirms who we are. But what's going to cause people to come through these doors and say, you know what? I, I think I'll stay long enough to figure out what y'all are really all about. Three words keep coming to mind. Number one, help. Number two, hope. Number three, hands. Right. Number one. Are we a church in this community that can offer hope? And when I say hope, I, I'm not talking about just something in, our, in the figment of our imagination, but can we say we live in a jacked up world? We live in a crazy world, but we offer hope through the word of God, through the Bible, and through the love of one, one for another. We can offer hope in this really, really messed up world, okay? And that's good, and, and I think that's a hook. I think that will get someone's attention because at the end of the day, we better believe that there's something bigger outside of something greater than us. Number two, can we offer help? Can this church offer help? What do you mean by help? I'm not talking about Sunday school classes. I'm talking about good sermons, and I'm talking about praise and worship experiences. What can we do Monday through Saturdays? Do we have any anointing for divorce? I don't, want to, I don't need a show of hands, but there's some divorced people in this room. You went through a painful divorce, not just to sit here for the rest of your life and say, what was me? God allowed you to go through a divorce for whatever reason. It may not have been his perfect will, but obviously it was his permissive will. He permitted it. Maybe so you now could help somebody else in the darkness of the hour. But is the church ready to facilitate that? Hmm? We had a conversation Tuesday night about what we saw in the football field with this young man dying for, for several minutes. Do we have a, a defibrillator in this room? Do we have CPR training? You do CPR training for, for a living, is that right? We, listen, if someone was to fall out right here, I know we have nurses and healthcare professionals, thank God for them, but if, if Sister Danielle decides to go out on a cruise for a week, and all the other healthcare professionals are gone, we in trouble. Because half y'all gonna run, the other half gonna start speaking in tongues, and we believe God's gonna heal, but why y'all are, oh, geez, oh, Lord. I need somebody to get on the phone. And them three or four minutes could make a big difference. Do you see what I'm saying? But I feel a little bit more comfortable while we're praying, and somebody knows how to say I do CPR. Wouldn't you feel a bit better? I said, wouldn't y'all feel a bit better? So, so does this church offer help? What type of first responders to CPR help? What type of this help? What type of classes do celebrate recovery? I mean, all of these things we wanted to do up there, but really had no population, had no radius of people to drive to from. But now do we offer hope? Can we offer help? You were on drugs at one time in your life. You are strung out. You don't look today how you looked 10 years ago. God did not deliver you, clean you up, set you free, just so you could be some poster child on Sunday mornings for some doggone photo shoot. He brought you out of darkness, 1 Peter 2, 9, brought you into the marvelous light that you would show forth the praises of him who's called you. Don't you think we can open up a classroom for drug, drug, uh, drug addicts? People who are still struggling with alcoholism? Do we offer help? How do we raise our teenagers? How do we raise adult kids? Can we have an adult's kids or a teenage class for parenting, particularly in the urban setting? I really want to say black folk. In the black folk setting? Don't, do you not think somebody would come and say, help me not kill my child? Workshop 101. Hmm. Help me not kill my husband, class 203. You don't think people wouldn't come to them type of class? I, 
Y'all saw my wife. My wife said, sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. Sign my name on the roll. See, all I'm saying is what type of help? <laughs> right, that's enough. Just, just, just keep still. <laughs> what type of help? And then thirdly, hands. We can, we, can, we can actually put your hands to work with some community projects. Felicia, I'm going to go ahead and get the announcement for you. So, so Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to bring can from between now and February the 12th. Between now and February the 12th, we're asking everyone to bring as many canned goods as you can bring to soup. I'm sorry, soup. So cans of soup. I'm sorry. Duh, Super Bowl. So bring Super Bowl Sunday. Bring as many cans of soup because we are doing what with them? We're giving it to Metrolina Food Bank. Second Harvest Food Bank, and it's one of our first opportunities to engage in community, right? It's not the only thing we're doing. We are looking for continued opportunities to partner with people in community. If you know of an opportunity, the city church wants to be a blessing. We don't know it all, but you do. So help us partner, and thank you by the way. We wanna make sure that we bring our cans of soup and partner. We've got other outreach opportunities. We've got so many things that we can do. Listen, rent gonna get paid regardless. Building is here now. This is not shared space. We don't have to pack them, get out, you know, like other folk around here do. We're here. Why not maximize this building? Why not? Okay, so, 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 so now, now I'm about halfway finished, all right? So all that being said, this is what I believe, why we're here. And it frustrates me to know that we're so close, but it is almost as if we've gotten, we've gotten deer in headlights. And you don't realize this, the Bible says this, the Lord's doing, it was marvelous in our sight. Let's get back to work. This is no trial and error. We're not sitting here with some experimental stage and hmm, when is it gonna work or not? We've been here, done that. This is nothing new to the DNA and the core of City Church. All we have to do is get focused, be determined, and seek the Lord. May I turn this corner? Listen, we talked about Daniel. Let's go back just for a moment here. Daniel, what do we know so far about Daniel? Daniel chapter six, verse three. Well, let's, let's realize he was a captive in exile from Israel. He's now in Babylon. The word Babylon means confusion. So like Daniel, sometimes we find ourselves in exile. We're out of our comfort zones. We're out of our comfort areas. And we oftentimes find ourselves in a land of confusion. But we do know this. He's a man of persistency and he's a man of passionate prayer. But most importantly, here's the three things I want you to know about Daniel today. He is a man of commitment. He is a man of conviction. And he's a man of consecration. Commitment. Conviction and consecration. And this is what gives me comfort. That's not the word I want to use. This is what gives me a, a tremendous faith and confidence when I think about the men of this church because these are men of conviction. And I hate to kind of say it like this, but that might be one reason why we have an elder in the hospital coming home today and not here because of his convictions to be here and to serve and to work and to be here when no one else wants to be here, when everyone gives excuses and people go hide and people go AWOL, he's yet here and here and here. And sometimes you can be here too much to the point where it affects your body, your mind, and your home. But I said, God, if we can somehow equilibrium and bring some type of equity back to the house, others won't have to feel like they're doing so much. Do you understand? Conviction, commitment, but more importantly, Daniel was a man of consecration. And we've been talking a lot about consecration. What does it really mean to separate yourself? What does it mean to really distinguish yourself, to be determined? And I want to take the second half of this message to really dig deep about seeking the Lord, because I need you to hear me really quick. And I know this may not be the most orthodox, pleasant, polished message you've ever heard. And I hope I don't embarrass myself by doing this, but I just want to give you straight what I believe the Lord is saying in this hour. We got to go back to being a people who don't mind sacrificing, seeking the Lord while he may be found. There could come a day in time when it may be impossible. But while we can, in this land of liberty and freedom, freely seek the Lord, honor him. Thank God we don't have to deal with underground churches. Thank God we don't have to worry about being arrested because of the t-shirts of God or bumper stickers we have glorifying God. The word seek, listen closely, 
The word seek means to carefully require, carefully desire, carefully exact or request or consult from the Lord. So in other words, seeking the Lord doesn't mean just throwing something at him. It doesn't just mean blowing bubbles at him. Seeking the Lord doesn't mean just good wishes. But seeking the Lord means to be very careful when it comes to requesting something from him. Yes. Are you still with me? Seeking God simply means to be very careful when it means to, to, to requiring something from the Lord. And I hate to jump commercial on you right now, consumers on you, but we all have something we want from God. We all have something we're looking to happen on our behalf from God. Have you sought the Lord? Let's go back to the NFL for a moment. I said it before I said it again. Everybody wants to pray when crisis happens. Everybody wants to all of a sudden get religious when the world comes to a screeching halt. We learned that in 9-11. In, in Everybody went to church Sundays after 9-11. Everybody wanted to pray for New York, Manhattan after 9-11. But it wasn't two, three, four months later, churches was empty again. People stopped praying again. Everybody was praying for three, praying for DeMar, praying for Hamlet. Then when God touched the man's body, raised him up, the word prayer was gone, and it's not, now it's love for three, love for DeMar, love for Hamlin. So I don't expect the world to draw the dictations of how the church should act. Do not be sucked in to the secular agenda. We are people who should seek the Lord, not just blow up a prayer because it's the religious thing to do. Because sometimes that spirit gets right into our homes. And we feel like as long as we're giving God a prayer, as long as we give him an offering, as long as we come to church every first and third Sunday, as long as we, we, we have a, a quick minute Bible study from the daily devotional once a week. It's called daily for a reason, by the way. But once a week. We feel as if we're doing God a favor. But may I submit to every one of you, I'm not sure we're seeking the Lord. Thank you, sir. I'm not sure we're seeking the Lord. Because when I look at the Old, thank you. When I look at the Old Testament, and when I look at the New Testament, that doesn't look like seeking the Lord to us. We become so casual, so comfortable. We become so, you know what? Any seeking that I see really, to be told in 2023, in churches across America, is self-seeking. In fact, uh, I, I just want to leave this scripture with you. James chapter 1, James chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but here's what James chapter 3, I should say, says, verse 13. But if you have any bitter envy or self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but it's earthly sensual and demonic let's stop right there now james was a rough cut james did not spare anything for anybody if anyone had to tell it like a ti was it was james he was the apostle of the group. He was the leader of the group. He was the old fogey of the group. And after all of those young cats started sparring with one another and flexing on one another, James would often rise up and say, now here's the law of the land. So he comes and says, listen, you want to know how bad self-seeking is? It can be demonic. It can be just as much as toxic. Self-seeking, my God, is sensual and it is earthly. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. May I say this to you this morning? And I really feel like I'm on a ledge when I say this. You know what? The truth be told, I hate to admit this, but I knew as we transitioned from Huntersville to North Lake, there'd be certain people who weren't going to make the cut. I knew that there were men who had arrogantly given their posture of self-seeking. And it happened too many times, too long, too much. And it started, poor, it started manifesting itself in many ways. And as much as I love the brethren, and as much as I love, quote unquote, the camaraderie and the fellowship and the fraternity of men, I got to make a decision when it's all said and done. Do we create a culture where we become men who seek our own needs, men who are self-seekers? Or are we do what the Bible says is seek the good and the welfare of other people? Because anytime you have a spirit of diatrophus in the Bible, Someone who wants to be head and shoulders taller than anybody else, it's always about them. That's narcissism, ego, arrogance, pride. And last I checked, those, those characteristics go nowhere. James says you're really borderline and demonic, sensual, and earthly flesh. Self-seeking. 
So in other words, you seek the good for you at the expense of other people. You're always in this thing, what's in it for me? How am I going to get on top? What can I get out of the deal? You borrow money and you don't pay it back. You make promises that you won't keep. You'll do things at the expense of other people. You will flirt and you'll dance and you'll mess around and do things that are not God's will. You will hurt people, disappoint people, crush people, and you'll do it all with a clergy on. And the truth of the matter is that is self-seeking. And oftentimes you do it under the cloak of ministry. So the church has to make up its mind because in the New Testament, it was something called church discipline. Let no one be a company among you. But now we're in this warm and fuzzy, can't we all get along environment? No one wants to make no decisions like that. So we have to draw a line in the sand and say this, either we are all here under the auspices, the anointing of God, serving his will and serving his pleasure and for the seeking the welfare of the people, or we're not equally yoked. Do you understand? And that spirit knows no gender, by the way. It could be a man or a female at the same time. So don't be brokenhearted when people seemingly aren't your, aren't your BFF from time to time. Don't be brokenhearted when people seem like they don't want to be around you because sometimes they got a spirit of self-seeking in them. Speaking of the word seeking, let's get back on this word seek. To, to be careful and requesting from God. I'm almost finished now. To be careful and requiring from God. To be careful even when it as well as approaching God. Because the stakes are high. Yeah, yeah. There's some needs yeah. that we have, that you have, yeah. and I can't afford to miss it. I want to I share with you a litany of, of scriptures. Most of them are very familiar. But may they build your faith. And may they encourage you to abide in a season of seeking the Lord. Uh, my wife will tell you, I get real finicky and sometimes I get real, you know, kind of insensitive when it comes to fast. Because as a pastor, there are times when I don't really want to do a corporate fast. First of all, because I don't even want to do it for myself. But I know I have to do it because that's what pastors do, right? Okay, great. Then there are moments when you do it, but as the book of Isaiah 58 says, and James also has something to say about motives and fasting, you want to make sure your motives are right. So if you don't do it, people are going to think that we're carnal, not saved, not spiritual, don't love God. But when you do do it, well, 80% of the church act like they didn't get the announcement or the notice. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And then on top of that, now you got to deal with the whole legalism spirit. All right. Uh, can you drink coffee? Uh, uh, see here? Uh, now, now you got to deal with the whole legalism of it all. All right. Uh, uh, can you... Can you, can you drink uh, coffee on your fast or can you not? All right, can you watch the news while you're on your fast? Can you not? All right, um, let's see, what's a good one? Um, can you eat vegetable chips while you're on the food? We talked about eggs. Uh, so you spend more time all day long trying to figure out what you can eat, what you can't eat. Uh, if you're like me this past Wednesday, Thursday, I was in Harris Teeter. I must have spent 45 minutes walking every aisle and didn't buy nothing. Last night watching the NFL uh, playoff game, I said, I never noticed so many food commercials in my entire life. I have never wanted to go to Applebee's, but after seeing them wings and, and seeing uh, that, that double fried shrimp, uh, golden crisp to the side, laid on, the, on, on for $9.99 all you can eat, I said, I may want to go to Applebee's after this fast is over with. All I'm trying to say is you become ultra sensitive, but how much more in the spirit realm? Are you with me, okay? Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. It's supposed to be discomforting. It's supposed to be uh, out, out, out of the norm. It's supposed, see fasting is not just about losing weight. If you are on the fast because you want to lose some weight, your motives are wrong. Amen. The fast should be to be mentally discomforted. To be reminded throughout the day that I'm distinguishing myself. That I'm being determined about a thing, right? I mean, nowadays they got, what's it called? Um, What's that meat called? Uh, everything, anything? Beyond meat. They got beyond everything. Beyond bacon, beyond jerky, beyond this. So if during your fast, everything you got is beyond something. You may have missed the motive. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. All I'm saying is this. There were three things Daniel did in seeking the face of God. And I want to close with those three things. Number one, he purposed in his heart. Friends, if you want to go somewhere others can't go, 
You're going to have to purpose in your heart and do some things others won't do. It's not going to be popular. You certainly won't be in the crowd. But in your heart of hearts, you got a purpose in your heart. Notice what the Bible says in Daniel. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel, oh my God, let's see, uh, 1 and 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. So in chapter 1, it was just 10 days, just 10 days. He said, listen, I'll just do vegetables. I'll do fruit. I won't drink no wine. I won't do this or that. Anything pleasant or familiar or comfortable, I'm going to stay in for 10 days. That's it. And at the 10 days, I want you to test me. See if I'm more smarter, intelligent, brighter. And you know what? The Bible did it. And guess what? The results were the results. It's not until I think chapter 10, he comes back with a 21-day time. Everybody okay so far? Stay with me. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you still with him? You still with him? Stay with him. Stay with him. Daniel 9, 3, and 4. Notice what the Bible says to Daniel 9 and 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, <clears throat> sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. What did he do? He set his face. He set his face. You got to determine that no matter what, I'm staying the course. I'm determined. Number two, he positioned himself before the Lord. I read some of these scriptures last week. I won't go through all these scriptures again, but I'll give you one scripture that made that really stands out to me. That's Daniel 6 and 10. Bible says this. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home <clears throat> in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down three times a day and he prayed, gave thanks before God. And that's as his customs were in that early day. Daniel prayed. He positioned. He purposed. Here's what I like the most. I want you to write down the word push. P-U-S-H. Just write the word push down. If you get your phone out, put it in your notes. P-U-S-H. It's an old acronym. We said it 30 years ago when I was coming up, but it just kind of leaped out of my belly this morning as I was going over my notes again. Push. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Someone say that with me. Pray. Come on, everybody say pray. Until something happens. This is the time, if there's ever been a time, to pray. I'm praying for many of you all right now. As your pastor, you've confided in me some things. You've shared with me some things. We're agreeing on some things. I'm praying for you. And may I remind every, every, every one of you right now as I close, now is not the time to give up. We are in the dead of winter. It seems like every other day it's either raining or cold or the weather is this, the weather is that. It seems like there's almost no movement in the earth. It seems like we could be, it is very easy and tempted to become monotonous, bored, dis, uh, discouraged, frustrating. We've gone through a gauntlet of relocations and moves and, 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 and all type of sparrings and just a tremendous onslaught of weight and transitions. Say nothing for this post-COVID pandemic, say nothing for all of the changes which bring stress itself, then you gotta deal with your marriage, you gotta deal with your kids and their adult lives, some of you now dealing with grandbabies, then you gotta deal with the mortgage, then you gotta deal with bills, you gotta deal with disagreements, I mean, it is ongoing. But this is not the time to stop praying. And I think I believe with all my heart when it seems as if it is the darkest of the hour, that is only a reminder to me, it is right before the break of day. It is right before the break of day. I could take you to Psalms 46, and I won't do it because of the sake of time. That'll be on a Thursday night. But the Bible says in Psalms 46, right before the break of morning, oftentimes it is in the darkest of the hour, we don't know who wrote Psalm 46, but what I do know is this. They were going through a national devastating calamity. It was nothing short of, the, of an act of God. And the psalmist said, though the earth be removed and the mountain be cast in the sea, there is a city who has rivers whose streams will make glad the city of God. And if you keep reading, the Bible says if you learn to be still and know that I am God. I will get the glory among the people. And could it be right now that God is telling you to be still? Could it be right now 
that God is saying, I am the one that allowed the devastation. I'm the one who allowed all of the dark. Oh God, I wish I, if it was Thursday night, I'd go a little bit further. But he goes on to say that there's help from the temple. There's help from the church. He said that the nations, I'm going to get the glory from them. God is still in control. My daughter called me the other day. Actually, I called her. I said, babe, what you doing? I'm having Bible study. I said, you are? I said, what are you reading? She said, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. I said, great. I said, Karis, I was just reading something in Isaiah that morning. In fact, I was reading, no, 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 I'm sorry. Not as, she said 2 Kings. Second Kings. I said, good, because I read Second Kings too. I said, in chapter 19, I said, when you get a chance, go back and look at it, because the Bible says that God spoke to Elijah, and he was going through one of the darkest hours of his life. So to the point, he was suicidal. Can you imagine that, a man of God wanting to take his life? Can you imagine that, a prophet, a man of God, wanting to take his life and the Bible says that God allowed an earthquake he allowed a firestorm and he allowed a shaking but the Bible says that he was not in the fire he wasn't in the earthquake but then the Bible said there was a small voice. One version says a delicate whisper. And guess what? God was in the whisper. May I minister to every one of you and say this to you. God will allow earthquakes to shake up your world. He will allow fire to burn down everything that ain't like him. He will allow the floods of everything to come and turn upside down your world so that there's nothing of distraction when all that junk is out of the way then he can speak and when he speaks when he speaks he won't have to shout he won't have to holler the bible says it was a delicate whisper and when god spoke to elijah you know what he told him Go get something to eat. Go get some rest. Go get something to eat. Go get some rest. Get yourself together. Straighten your face. Get your good attitude. Because I'm going to do something in your generation. Would you stand to your feet? I want to take a moment to pray with you before we pray ourselves to give on this morning. Just hear the word of the Lord this morning as it relates to seeking the Lord. Thank you, Brother Mark. Thank you. Just ask you to play softly. Hear the word of the Lord. Now is the time to seek him. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. That he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently what? Seek him diligently. What? Seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6. Colossians 3 and 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things. Come on, say seek. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Ask and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Matthew 7 and 7. Isaiah 31 and 1, very interesting. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, and they rely on horses. They trust in chariots because they're many, horsemen because they're strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. 
For this is the generation of Jacob, those who will seek him, who seek your face. One thing I've desired from the Lord, and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I would hear from heaven, I'd forgive their sins, and I would heal their land. Hebrews 13, 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The Bible reminds us of Daniel 11:32. but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. My brothers and sisters today, may we be a people who seek the Lord. I want to encourage you, take your prayer life more serious. Take your time of personal Bible study and devotion more intense. You got a purpose in your heart that you can be different because there's an excellence that God requires and that spirit of excellence on you, the same one that was on Daniel, can put you in a place that only others will ever dream of. It won't be your pedigree. It won't be your academics. It won't be your fraternity or sorority. It won't be your neighborhood. It won't be your family's lineage. But if you'll understand what, what it means to seek the Lord, Daniel sought the Lord. Yes, he did. God sends, eight, God sends Gabriel and says, Gabriel comes and says, you know what? From the first minute you have made up your mind to pray, God had already sent an answer. You got to make up your mind that you're going to be different. Brother Carlos, I want to thank you again, man. We had a text exchange this morning with a couple of men. Last night, we had too many of our ground signs right here on this little corner and not enough on the main corner where all the main traffic is. And I don't know what time it was, but he had responded earlier this morning and said, Pastor, I'll get up and I'll make sure the ground signs are there. And as much as I wanted to applaud that effort, my heart was, was, was convicted because I said, God, it's raining, and it's pouring. You got the wife and kids. So I texted him back and said, thanks, but no thanks. We'll do it next Sunday. But I wanted to thank him publicly because he was willing to be discomforted to make sure the vision of the house. See, to me, to me, to me, he understands the spirit of excellence. It's not going to benefit him in his home. It's not going to benefit him in his job. But he knew that somehow or another, it may cause somebody to see a sign way up on the road and turn. Somebody might get saved because of that sign. I look at three cameras right now. I got this one man manning three cameras. It shouldn't be that way. We've got able men and women that can run cameras. So what happens when David's marriage just fails? What happens when he gets sick and goes to the hospital? Then what? We'll be the first to criticize and complain. But he was, he, he's outstretched. He's, over, he's overworked and, and, and he had no help. The spirit of excellence says, let me see a need and meet it. I don't care if I get recognized or not. God will recognize me. Is that right? He'll reward me. Stay. The Bible says, and you can get mad all you want. I'm, I'm, I, I can care less. I can tell you right now. The Bible says that promotion does not come from the east, nor the west, nor the south. But promotion comes from above. God knows exactly how to reward you. Do you understand? Do you understand? Amen. We are the body of Christ. Yes. My heart breaks when people get hurt and sick and go under the weather because I'm saying to myself, man, but he's doing so much, she's doing so much. There's an inequity in the house. And if everybody caught the vision of excellence, the same old wouldn't be doing the same old, doing the same old until they motor break down. All I'm saying is this, there is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity in an intersection. If we would all, number one, seek the Lord, okay? Turn your place over. Understand being determined. 
Get on your knees. Cry out to God. How did the old saint say? If you don't pray, you won't stay. If you don't fast, you won't last. Is that right? Do, I mean, do we still believe that? I do. I do. They told me as an 18-year-old kid in church, when I first got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they said, son, if you pray, you'll be able to talk with God. But if you fast, you'll be able to move God. And some of us have gotten so comfortable, we just kind of just sitting back and just, you know, waiting. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. And we'll say, Hail Mary, from time to time. And we'll do a little litany study from time to time. But this is the generation of Jacob. And the Bible says that generation sought the face of God, not his hand, because we have a tendency to seek his hands. Hands of prosperity, hands of money, hands of opportunity, hands of breakthrough. Not his hands. Let's seek his face. Because when you seek his face, you begin to see what he sees. You begin to hear what he hears. You begin to say what he says. Then you will be the one invited to the ballroom at the corporation and give a revelation that will turn the company's financial status around. You don't hear me. You don't, you don't hear me. You don't hear me. I don't care if you work on the first floor. I hear the Holy Ghost saying you're going to be invited to the 50th floor. You're going to stand in front of men and women because that's what Daniel did. Daniel became an advisor to the king. And the king thought about putting him over the whole doggone corporation. You are one revelation away. You are one waking up at 322 in the morning of having a word from heaven for your CFO. And I get it, some of you not in a corporate setting, but you could be in an entrepreneurial setting. And you could be in a 502 AM setting to where you are on your knees and God speak to you about an invention. I sit there and watch Shark Tank. I will sometimes binge on Shark Tank and marvel at the ideas that people come up with. And I'm sitting there saying, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? You are one idea away. My pastor used to say it all the time. Bishop Lockett used to say, he said, you're not broke. You're not, you, you don't have a cash flow problem. You have an idea problem. And some of you are just one idea away from paying off all of your debt. Do you hear me? I believe that. I believe that. You are just one revelation. But listen, you have to seek the Lord. Thank God for Google and the internet and all of these wonderful virtual realities. But you got to posture, position, and pray to seek the Lord. It happens every day. Every day. Don't be envious of evildoers. Don't be jealous of the lotto and the people playing gambling money. Don't be, uh, no, uh-uh, don't do that. Because God can give you more in one divine revelation than any number will ever do for you. They sought the Lord. They prayed. They positioned. And they purposed. And the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits.